This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the 1912 Exiles podcast, the Newport County podcast made by the fans for the fans. I'm Ed, I'm your host today. First up, I want to thank all the listeners who've contributed a few pennies through our Ko-Fi account over recent weeks. Uh, In no particular order, a big thank you to, uh, let's see, my old mate Ziggy, who made a very generous donation. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, Alan Cooper, Steve Risker, big thanks to all of you. Uh, Gav said, great sensible discussions, miles better than the tripe on Facebook or the message boards. That's very kind, Gav. Thank you. Uh, And then the Exile Exile said, uh, top pod. So yeah, big thanks to you as well. Um, If you want to chip in with a few quid towards our running costs and leave a comment, then there will be a link in the show notes for you. Um, There is only one item of business for the pod today, which is to unpick the three-all draw that we had on Friday night against Walsall. Now, whatever else you might have to say about that game, it was royally entertaining, proper edge-of-your-seat stuff. And to help me make sense of it, I'm joined by friend of the pod, Ollie Allen. Hello, Ollie. Thank you, Ed. Good afternoon. It uh, it feels weird to be on the pod and not be stood in a wee grant next to Ian, but... um... (laughs) I, I much prefer from the comfort of my own home. Yeah, I, the other thing that feels weird is, you know, I, I quite like having a Friday night game, but it did make Saturday just feel all a bit peculiar. And then I've had two sleeps since the match uh, before rep- recording the podcast, which means that I've had even more chance to reflect. So, uh, yeah, that may well change some of the answers that I give as we go through this. But um, the obvious question from any draw to get us started, and it's probably easier to answer for this one than for many, is this. Was it two points lost or one point gained? It definitely felt like two points lost, (laughs) given the circumstances the equaliser came from. But at the same time, I feel like if you had asked most fans before the match kicked off, would you take a point from this game? I think you'd find a lot of fans would say yeah. So I I probably lean more towards two point loss, but it's not a bad point to pick up. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I also think 
we scored very early on. Walsall hit back very early on. And even at that point, I turned to my boy and said, it's going to be one of those games where goals are just going to fly in all over the place and you've just got to hold on for dear life and hope that you come out of the game with something. And it's incredibly frustrating when you're leading after 70 minutes and you dig in and you get to 90 minutes and you're still ahead and then the board goes up and it was you know whatever it was seven or eight and it, it drags on and drags on and then of course you can see the, the deflation that goes with that that we'll doubtless talk about but you're right going into that match I, I spoke to some um some Walsall outlets uh last week and I said I probably would take a point from it and you just you just have to kind of uh, try and bank that really don't you bank it and move on it's very much like, I believe it was you who put it out, that we should celebrate every point. And I feel like it's quite easy to get lost in the deflation and sort of feel down and drab about, oh, we've only took a point. But considering all summer long, the topic was people predicting us to go down. I feel like if you take the match and the minutes where the goals were scored out of it, do you look at it from a sort of... Uh, non-biased point of view you could say yeah it's a good point it's a point we should probably celebrate and if we have more performances like that across the season we'll be fine come May yeah I think it's exactly that it's how cross and how critical do you want to be after a game like that because everyone walks away from that hurting the fans the manager the players everyone feels yeah we should have got the win having got to the position we, we were in but I think the point I was trying to make immediately after the pod when I was putting some some tweets out was I'm not sure being hypercritical necessarily helps. I think there are games where you need to do that and you need to be honest. And I think that, you know the Bradford defeat felt like one for me where we were just miles off where, where we should have been. Coming away from Walsall, there's no point giving the players a kicking. And, you know, I saw some people and it's probably just kids coming up to half term, you know, on Twitter calling players bottle jobs and all the rest of it. But I just think, like, grow up. That doesn't that's not helping anyone. Everyone comes away disappointed. Everyone knows we've got to pick ourselves up for two extremely tough away games this week. And I think we just have to put an arm around the players, metaphorically speaking, and say, All right, you you nearly did it. We scored three good goals at home we were within whatever it was, 30 seconds of getting a result. Let's dust ourselves down and, and go again. Because I just think like no good comes out of criticising everyone after after a game like that. Yeah, there's stuff we need to learn from it. But I think that's as far as you need to go, isn't it? Yeah. The biggest critic for a football player is to play themselves. And mm. they will know, probably down to a T better than any of us, what they should have done better and what minute and... Yeah. I'm sure uh, Cochrane and Dylan, the rest of the coaching team will pick up on that and hopefully address it uh, in training throughout the week. But yeah, the sort of constant negativity and sort of finger pointing, it, it does no help. I'd much rather say wasn't meant to be, probably should have done better, but it's probably a lot more beneficial to focus on the future, which we can change rather than the past that we can't. Yeah, and and as you've said and, and others have said, there was enough within that game to give you maybe not huge positivity, but some room for optimism. So, you know, I saw Andy Lawrence, who's always a, a good level head, say a team that scores as many as we do very rarely gets relegated. You know, we've got to worry about the goals that we're conceding, but 
there's there's stuff there that we should be positive about. We had some comments online from Walsall fans as well saying, you know, you're going to be all right this season. You you can score goals. There's some individual mistakes, but you've got injuries. And so I, I feel as though that's kind of what we've got to focus on and try and get a positive mindset around the place. Um, just to kind of unpick some of the tactics a little bit, you know, on that point, we took the lead three times and yet still didn't win the game. So what do you prescri- uh, prescribe as being the problem in defence? Is it just injuries? You know, Coco's talked a lot about individual mistakes and lapses of concentration. Like, what do you think is the problem that we've most got to address before Notts County and Gillingham? I think it's a bit of a, a complex issue to talk about. I know uh, Cochrane mentioned it uh, on Friday's uh, post-match press conference that He's not had uh, many chances to get a consistent pair in the centre halves yeah. with obviously the likes of Kyle Jameson, Declan Drysdale, uh, Matt Beaker sort of coming in and out of the squad. So you could argue that maybe a lack of consistency and not yet knowing who our best two uh, centre halves are is a pair in. Based on what we've seen this season, you'd probably see Ryan Delaney and James Clark, but. James Clark is a little bit more injury prone, so I think <laughs> Ollie, the, they're they're all injury prone. If we've learned one thing <laughs> since August, it's that they've they've all got glass legs. <laughs> yeah, for Clark seems to be more well, I was gonna say more than most, but I think Declan Drysdale's picked up about two or three injuries and we're only in uh, October. Individual errors will always uh, creep into a squad more so at League Two level. There's a reason these players are at this level. I think as we go on, hopefully, touchwood, fingers crossed, we do see a bit more consistency and we start to find out who is the leading pair. And as we have spot fan games and cup games, we can use those as opportunities to experiment with partnerships. But I'd probably put it down to a little bit of both at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. You know, Delaney with either Clark or Jameson feels like a good pairing. Anything less than that, uh, I think, is comes with with risks. I mean, I think Seabury is is quite rightly getting a lot of praise for just how well he's come on, but it, he's not going to be a first choice player for at least another year or so. And then you know the rest of them have all got different drawbacks of of one or one sort or another. Um, so yeah, it is the, the injuries is the big thing, um, but we we do need to find some consistency there. The other question I've got to ask you is about the goalkeeping situation because it's only what 10 days or so ago that people were saying oh we need to give Townsend a break he's looking like a liability this boy Maxted has kept a clean sheet in the cup and so on well we made the change and in two games Townsend has made mistakes that have have cost us cheap goals I mean the the one at Swindon has been uh, already well documented and he didn't cover himself in glory with the, the first one that he let in on uh, Friday night. I mean, do you think if Townsend had played those two games, we'd have seen different results? What's your reading of it? One of our biggest issues last season was the constant chopping and changing between Joe Day and uh, Nick Townsend. And I think a lot of fans felt like there was going to be an end to that Joe Day going out on loan. Yeah. Max Dead brought in seemingly under the premise of you're just going to be a backup, reliable pair of hands as and when needed. You could probably make the argument that Townsend stays on this line for that uh, first Swindon goal. But 
you could also see that some of the saves that Max said makes uh, at various points in the game, Townsend might let in. Yeah. Um, I think Townsend is a better shot stopper. Max said is probably a better distributor of the ball. And I think it's sort of having to pick one and just say, look, you're the keeper, we'll get behind you, even if you do make a few mistakes. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not sure about Max Des distribution, unless by distribution you you mean he can kick it a very long way. I mean, which he can definitely do. But um, there were times when maybe he could have played a a, a short square pass, but his instinct is to to go long. I mean, uh, for me, I completely understand why Cochrane made the change and brought Max Stead in, and I think that was the right thing to do because he kept a clean sheet. And uh, you know, when we when we're desperate to keep a clean sheet in the league, I think it was entirely justifiable to say, right, go on, then you have a game on. Uh, on Saturday at Swindon. Equally, I can understand why Coughlin was clearly frustrated with him after the goals he let in against Warsaw, and I could completely understand if he decided he wanted to change back. You know, I think he he didn't name Maxted because Coughlin doesn't single out players in a in a way that I find very admirable. But it was pretty clear who he was talking about when he was saying there's players who make the case to be given a shirt and they're given the shirt and then they they mess up the opportunity. I mean, it was it was pretty clear who he meant by that. So um, I I think he did the right thing to make the change. I don't blame him at all if he decides to make the change back again and we see Townsend play on, on Tuesday night. Um, the other selection choice that I thought was interesting was uh, seeing Matt Baker, country file, uh, making his start in midfield. Did you did you like that? I, I thought it was re- a really interesting choice to play him there rather than um, at centre-back. And I thought, although a few passes went a bit astray, I quite liked the physicality that he brought, because he is that little bit taller. Um, And I also thought it probably helped to get the best out of some of the other players in midfield, particularly Bryn Morris, who, you know, scored that that rocket and then uh, then got second. I'm not sure whether he would have been getting into those sorts of positions without Baker providing that bit more grit. So I don't know, what, what did you think? Yeah, it was a really interesting sort of choice because when you saw his name on the team sheet and what we know from the last half of last season, um, probably kind of expected him to slot into a back three and you kind of think maybe that's Cochrane's uh, solution to the defensive crisis. But then when the players come out on the pitch, they lined up and Baker's in midfield. So... And it sort of brings up the point, is Matt Baker the new Scott Bennett where he sort of sits back and, you know, steadies up the line in between the defence and the midfield and says, okay, you two go forward and you work to magic. So, yeah, is, is Baker the new Bennett? Well, I, yeah, I think there's there is a little bit to that, and I think it speaks more generally to the the, the sorts of players that Coughlin looks for in midfield. You know, they're not the likes of. Finazaz and Ollie Cooper, who are going to beat players and create loads from the middle, and and they're not flair players, but what they do is cover a lot of ground, battle, graft, and allow either the um, the the wingers or the wing backs or potentially uh, Wildig to then have that bit more space in which to operate. So you're right, and and I think it's it also is interesting because prior to Friday's game. Bryn Morris was coming in for a little bit of criticism. But again, I think he's in that same mould that, you know, you don't always notice what he does, but you do notice if he's not there. So I think we we still need to find the right kind of blend in that 
midfield. But I thought Baker did his chances no harm at all with the performance that, that he turned in. And like I say, just having that bit more height in midfield is good because, you know, Morris and Charlesley are not the, the tallest um, and I think sometimes we do come up against teams where we could do someone with a little bit more stature. So I thought that was really welcome. One other question I've got to ask, which is one that um, Gabe was mentioning on Twitter, and I think it's a really interesting one, and we've touched on it before, but I'd like to hear your take. And it's about Omar Bogle and whether sometimes he could be more of a hindrance than a help in games. You know, we cl- we know, obviously, from last season, the the goals that he can contribute. But in terms of partnerships... Is he enough of a team player or are we better off having two different strikers? You know, if all of our strikers were fit, who do you pick as your front two? I'd probably give uh, Will Evans and uh, Seb Armour Holden the nod. As you mentioned, Bogle is a brilliant striker and he has got that goal-scoring ability. He showcased that last season. But there was something between... Evans and uh, Palmer Holden. I think it was linked to the sort of pressing intensity of the two yeah, of them and yeah. working defensive and running them ragged and sort of just having that little extra yard of pace that Bogle doesn't possess where if they get the ball, one of them can just make a little run and they seemed to be on a similar wavelength of uh, attacking intent. So, they could make the pass to each other and it created a lot more opportunities. I think Bogle is a brilliant striker in the right system, whether that system is one we can uh, reliably play at Newport. I don't really think so. I think Bogle is a lot more suited to being a lone striker and his duty is score goals, do nothing else. You kind of see a lot that Bogle gets dragged out to the right and Evans moves into the centre, so I'm not sure if it's a case of they stepping on each other's toes or if this is the intentional plan from Cochrane. But I think when Seb Palmer Holden does return from injury, he goes straight back into the side for me. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would agree, and it, it is this thing that some, you know, with the limited squad we've got, you have got to make it more than the sum of its parts, particularly when we've got injury. Uh, crisis going on and I love Bogle I think he's a great goal scorer but I'm just yeah I'm not sure that him and Evans have the right understanding I think it if if you're talking about partnerships then if you're going to play Bogle up front you need to have weight somewhere in the midfield behind him because those two do seem to share an understanding and if you're not going to play weight in mid field then you probably need to find someone different with Evans up front but at the moment with the injuries we've got I don't know who that is because I don't think you can put that pressure on Rye yet I just don't think he's ready and I'm I'm still not really convinced Ollie Thomas is ready for for a start yet I like the look of him but I think he's he's still very raw so I think you know with the the tools we've got at the minute you probably are having to play Evans and Bogle but yeah, the the sooner we get Palmer Holden, Zanzala, you know, as soon as we've got more options, we can start to tinker. But I think at the moment, it's it's using what we've got. I know I have seen people saying, "Oh, we need to give Raya a start," but I just I, I think the danger is if he has a bad game too early, it kind of knocks his confidence a bit too much. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, thank you everyone who who sent in comments after Friday. I mean, I won't go through. All of them. I mentioned a few already. The other one I was going to pick up. Um, so Hoyligan said, uh, yeah, 
three learning points from the game. First, he didn't appreciate just how good all of our goals were. The overlap and the delivery for the third were excellent, which is, yeah, true, because we talked a lot about the rocket of Bryn Morris's first goal, Evans curling the second one in. But yeah, the the use of the space and the overlap and the delivery for that third one um, and the, the run from Morris to get there on the back post were all really good. Uh, the second point you made, Payne has to start every game. I thought, yeah, he had a really lively match um, at, at right back. And yeah, McLaughlin has shown he can kind of slot into all sorts of other roles. I think he played a good two or three positions on on the pitch on uh, on Friday night. And then, yeah, that point we've already talked about, Clark and Jameson uh, can't come back uh, soon enough. So on the basis of the two games that you 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 were at both of them, Ollie, uh, who's your player of the pod? It's probably hard to pick one from the Swindon game, um, given what happened. But I think... Uh, Friday night's performance from Bryn Morris, uh, Uncle Bryn, as we lovingly yeah, yeah. know him now. Um, I think he's got to get that accolade. He's done a little bit of silence to this with the uh, brace on Friday night. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I think you want all the players to show the sort of determination that he's shown to to come back from criticism you know like like it or not they've all got criticism after that game on friday you want to all see them display the sort of resilience that morris has shown by uh going and turning in a great performance over the next couple of games so yeah Bryn morris all round. uh have you got some shout outs and beefs uh i would like to give a shout out to the warthall fans uh for attending friday night you know traveling anywhere on a friday night is not ideal let alone uh, coming from just outside Wolverhampton down to South Wales and given the uh, quite torrential rain we saw within the week and I know it raised a lot of hesitancy about whether the game's on or off so I do want to give them uh, a massive shout out for both coming down and making a, a fair bit of noise throughout the game and then my beef is being a continual beef this season and stretching back to uh, last season, crosses and to an extent corners. I think it was quite a, a running theme uh, last season. We, we've we had many matches on the Hazel Terrace where we've played will it get past the first man uh, roulette and uh, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it does. The crossing this season has been poor. That, that's my raging beef that's carried on from uh, last season and yeah. will probably follow me throughout the rest of my day supporting Newport County. It uh, it didn't help on Friday that we had players playing out position. So you had McLaughlin at left back. Evans seemed to be getting tugged more and more towards the right-hand side. So they were both at times having to cross on their weaker foot. And uh, yeah, the frustration was, it wasn't just on the terrace. It was evident at the back of the Hazel stand as well. I can, I can tell you that. Um, I've got one shout out and one beef. So my shout out, I just want to stick with my full-throated support for Mr. Graham Copland. We are clearly struggling um, and... Uh, not able to find consistency or any form to speak of. Everyone at the club is is feeling the pressure, um, including, I'm sure, the manager who's talked of this being his toughest experience in the game. Um, but I keep coming back to this question of could anyone else do any better? And I think the answer is categorically no, they couldn't. Um, Graham Copeland is, is really honest with his assessment of our flaws, but as we've already said, without ever 
publicly criticizing individuals and he's doing the very best he can with the depleted squad that he's got and I, I also think based on what happened last January I would back him to bring in the right two or three players in the next window to steady the ship especially if he's got a bit more financial firepower so I'm just going to keep saying it and urge others to do the same because I think Coco needs to hear our support at the moment and know that we we back him to fire up his players and keep uh, keep them battling away uh, and my beef. Um, so yeah, that match uh, last Friday will be my uh, last county game until Stockport at the end of November. Um, some of that is my own fault. I'm away uh, for the Oldham game in the Cup uh, and the away matches fall on dates which clash with family stuff. But even the games that I could theoretically make are problematic. Uh, we're at home twice in the Spotify Trophy where the inclusion of B teams has spoiled what used to be a good and honourable competition. And then obviously we've got a home league game against Franchise FC, a club who should have been strangled at birth and who many of us refuse to accept as legitimate opponents because they have never earned their place in the league. So my beef is with football administrators whose decisions have meant that fans feel unable to go along in good conscience to support their team. Um, which is quite a long-winded way of saying that uh, the other members of the pod crew will be picking up the slack over the coming weeks and bringing you some great content. Uh, and I instead will save my money for uh, some of the away trips in the second half of the season. Over the course of this next week, we've got tough away games at Notts County and Gillingham. Any predictions, Ollie, for how many points we might get out of those two? Six points? <laughs> Six points would be... Uh... <laughs> Unimaginable. If we got at the next at and we had six points, I'd then have to start pinching myself constantly to check it's not a dream. Not to get these gentlemen in both games, I'm uh, subjecting myself to. Newport County has taught me to expect the unexpected. And I think after drawing on Friday in the manner we did, we'd probably go and beat Not County and get a draw at Gillingham. So I, I'd be happy with three points from the two. If we got six, I'd be ecstatic. Realistically, probably get one. Yeah, uh, I think that that's probably true for me as well. I mean, if we could somehow S-house our way to getting a win out of either of those, I would be uh, absolutely delighted and it would make up for the the disappointment we're all feeling at the moment. But yeah, realistically, um, uh, a point or two from from those would be a good return from two extremely difficult games. Um, And yeah, all the best to those making the the long trip up to Nottingham and the even longer trip to to Gillingham this week. Um, And hopefully we can hear from at least some of you uh, about how those games go. Um, so yeah, that pretty much wraps us all up. Uh, our thanks as always to Tinty and the Bucket Hats for our theme tune. Um, Ollie, a big thanks to you for your contributions today. Thank you. It's a pleasure as always to be on here. Uh, and thank all of you as well for listening. Uh, Ian, Jamie, Reese, or Jack will hopefully be back soon with your next episode. But until then, look after yourselves, look after each other, and as always, keep it counting. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.